we are uh, going to spend a little bit of time over the next couple of weeks talking about spiritual leadership, specifically more about elders and deacons, but just to recognize for everybody to, to, to know, uh, and if you're present, just stand up and I'll tell you, sit back down in a second, I won't make you come up here, uh, but our, our current elders are Ken Dustin and Andy Sarquez. Uh, our current deacons uh, are Matt Gilligan and Alan Delich. We have other leaders that are vitally important as well. Uh, Jim Meyer and Carl Anderson are acting as co-treasurers. And also our trustees, Carrie Schmidt, Dia Panzer-Biddle, Ann Sarquez, and Randy Boss. I know most of you know who these people are. Some of you need, just need to put a name with a face. I, I get that. You guys can, can sit back down. Thank you so much. Keep these people in your prayers, these brothers and sisters. They, they are giving sacrificially of their time and talent to this congregation, to the work here, uh, and also with others helping to lead our outreach and the things that we are doing. Um, pray for their families. Uh, you know when you step out into leadership, you have just put a big target on your back. Um, you know, Satan doesn't mess with people who are in his camp. He messes with those that stand up. And it gets difficult at times. Um, but I want you to, to realize and to keep in prayer those that are leading in their various roles. We who were recognized shepherds here, specifically Ken and, and Andy and myself right now, and of course Matt and Andy and um, Alan also have spiritual leadership in what they are doing. We, um, we know it's critical to your spiritual well-being for us to have our house in order and I can guarantee you I've told you before I will tell you again your preacher is a sinful man I do not put myself on any kind of a pedestal the only righteousness I have is the righteousness of the blood of Christ I am striving to be worthy to be called Christian. And these men, these women who are leading here are doing the same. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about biblical leadership. We're going to talk about what it is to be a servant leader. And what we're talking about affects you personally because you're here and these leaders are here to help you. I'm reminded of this phrase, as the leadership goes, so goes the congregation. I know that is such a simple little thought, but when you think about it, it's absolutely true, is it not? This comes from a series on 
effective elders, E2, effective elders. Three people, Jim Estep, the Estep there, was dean of uh, the seminary, Lincoln Christian Seminary, for a period of time. David Roadcup was uh, a professor at uh, Cincinnati Christian Seminary. And Gary Johnson was a a longtime minister at the Indian Creek Christian Church. These men formed a group that they call E2, Effective Elders, to use their experience, their learning, their heart for the body to try to help uh, strengthen biblical leadership throughout the brotherhood. And they've put out a numerous number, a lot of different materials on that. Very, very good stuff. A part of what I'm going to talk about over the next three, four weeks is going to be coming from things that these men have put together and have cogently been able to communicate. It's not the, the only thing that we will be using. Back in 2021, we had 18 men who came together for a six-week study about biblical leadership, and they read this book by Lynn Anderson, They Smell Like Sheep. Lynn Anderson's been a longtime preacher in Texas. He's out of Abilene Christian College and has some very, very good things for us. Back in 2008, Christian Standard noted uh, Anderson as, quote, one of the most respected authorities on church leadership. And the premise of the book is really very, very simple. Shepherds should smell like sheep. In other words, if you're going to be a shepherd, you need to be with the flock. You need to be with those that you are leading. You need to have relationships there This idea of leadership within God's kingdom and shepherds as the metaphor for it actually comes up some 500 different times through the Old and the New Testament. And it is the predominant view of what true biblical leadership should be in the New Testament. One of the things that Anderson points out very clearly, and I I agree with it wholeheartedly, and you've heard me say it before, that biblical leadership, the the job is to shepherd, mentor, and equip, to look after the body, to help that body grow and to learn, and also to spur them to action, to give them tools so that they can continue the work of taking the message out as well as taking care of the body. In 2022, we spent an equal amount of time uh, in another uh, Bible study in the second volume of They Smell Like Sheep. The, The big difference between these two is the first book, They Smell Like Sheep, was about the function, what it is that elders specifically are actually supposed to do what is there the thing that really is biblical leadership and it's not sitting on a board and passing decisions it's that shepherd mentor and equip 
In the second book, he really looked at the heart of the leader. So in a lot of ways, this second study was a lot more challenging. As our men went through it and looked at themselves introspectively and prayed and reviewed scripture as we moved through this. It was challenging for those who participated. It was confirming and and it was humbling. Over the last several years, much prayer and self-examination and research has gone in and continues to go into forming the direction that we believe God is leading us as a congregation. And you need to be praying for the leadership. You need to be praying for us. You need to be coming alongside of us as well. I point this out mainly because I want you to understand the things that we're talking about. Uh, a lot of them are not from your preacher because your preacher's not that smart. But we're following good, sound, godly advice that comes from within our brotherhood. The desire is that we continue to lead and to grow in leading in a more biblical way. That that's done with accountability and done with transparency. We want to avoid mistakes that have been made in the past by following a biblical model. And we need to remind ourselves that there is no position of leadership. Leadership is a function and it is a bottom up servant leadership in two weeks uh, we will be getting out the nomination forms they'll be uh, provided for um, people that you think uh, would be good leaders within the congregation that are not part of the recognized servant leadership right now That'll be a couple weeks off. Uh, That's preparing for the vote that will be happening at our annual meeting in January 21st. You guys that are here, you know this happens every year, right? Um, But it's important that you're not looking around and saying, hey, I like that person. I don't like that person. Or we, we need to have some kind of criteria that's better than the world. And I want us to continue to remember what the biblical criteria is. I would rather have a small group of biblical servant leaders than to have a large group where people are vying for their own thing. I want a bigger group (laughs) of servant leaders but we're not going to get there if we're not challenging ourselves to become biblical servant leaders. Starting here at this point, you know, each 
Christian is actually called by God. We are called to come to him through the blood of Christ, but we are called to not just become part of his family, we are called for the task of growing his family. Can I get an amen? Yes. We are called to minister, to serve, and to be part of the priesthood of all believers. With that in mind, those that are called into servant leadership need to be called by God. And if you think about that, that's biblical. Think of some names like Moses, Abraham, Samuel, Saul, David, Isaiah, Amos. We, we, can, we can come up with a bunch out of the Old Testament, yes? Prophets and all. In the New Testament, we have the 12 that were called directly by Jesus himself. Now, how were these people called? There's a myriad of ways when he stopped to think about it. Moses heard a voice from a burning bush. Samuel was a boy who was lying down in the night and heard his name called and went to where he heard it coming from. Saul and David, they were appointed, they were anointed for their leadership position by Samuel. In other words, someone else passed that call on. And Jesus with the 12, you remember what he said? Very, very simply, he said, follow me. Are we still issuing that call today? Yes or yes? Yes. It is a simple call to all of us to use what we have in service of the Father. John MacArthur in Rediscovering Pastoral Ministry uh, uses an acronym for the word call. Just takes those four letters and, and just very quickly uses this outline. It's a good outline. He says call means confirmation. Um, today that is most often brought out of a congregation like you guys. You can confirm somebody else's call because you see who they are. You see what they do and you can tell whether they have a heart for leadership in the body of Christ or not. We see that in Acts 16. Paul finds a young man who has spiritual leadership potential and he's highly spoken of by multiple Christians in the area where he grew up. And we know that Timothy was an exceptional leader. Those early Christians recognized it, Paul recognized it, and we see the fruit of his leadership. Family, you may be the person who sees spiritual leadership potential in someone else. Who do you know that is a willing servant? Where have you seen them step out and help? Who do you know that's a people person? Who do you seek out for spiritual advice, for godly counsel, for biblical understanding? In other words, 
who do you see functioning as an elder or deacon? Will you raise them up for consideration? Proverbs 11.14 tells us that there, uh, in many advisors, there is a victory sure, right? In many advisors, there is truth, is the idea. Um, that's why we need a plurality in our leadership. And I will tell you, you have functioned with a couple of elders for some time. Um, you know, Scott and Randy did that, was doing that when I first got here. Uh, Ken was able to come in, and I can tell you, when we had three, they were breathing easier. Uh, we're back down to two, and Andy and Ken have worked diligently. Uh, but I can tell you, they'd love to have somebody else join them. So keep that in mind. And you know, you may be that person that has spiritual leadership potential. Ask yourself this, have others sought you out for spiritual advice or counsel? Do you enjoy helping others to understand scripture? Do you experience joy when you see other people get it? By the way, you want to see a happy preacher? You should come on Wednesday nights as we are working together through the book of John. Because I am delighted when I see all of these good ideas that are coming out of you guys. And I can see you getting it. And it gives me strength to keep moving forward. Where do you experience joy? Good question. God may be using others in that joy in the spirit to help you understand where you fit better in his kingdom in the body of Christ. So confirmation and A, abilities. Elders and deacons have a different function of leadership within the body of Christ. And it's not elders, deacons, it is this, different functions, different leadership. Yes, ultimately, the elders are responsible for the spiritual direction, they have the last say, but it is not this kind of an arrangement, it is this kind of arrangement. You understand the difference? People doing their thing the way they need to, not from a hierarchy, but servant leadership. Act 6, we see deacons um, as they take over the everyday needs of the group and, and helping out meeting needs and helping uh, widows out. We also see the apostles as the first elders are given over to prayer and the ministry of the word. The deacons take care of the everyday function things while the elders are focused more on the spiritual things. As Lynn Anderson puts it, to shepherd, mentor, and equip, ministry, to proclaim, to educate. And in order to do this, 
elders, the elder shepherds have to be skilled in leading. Interpersonal skills, communication skills, analytical thinking, and some practical spiritual gifting in teaching and encouraging, leading, and delegating administrative tasks. You think about Moses, um, and you think about who he is. What were his abilities to lead a band of people a million strong out of Egypt and across the desert? Do you remember? Where did Moses grow up? Anybody? Where did he grow up? In Pharaoh's house in Egypt, yes? He grew up in the king's household alongside of the next one who would become Pharaoh. When you stop to think about it, in Egypt, he had the best education possible in running a government. And he was raised and educated in Pharaoh's household along by his son. And when Moses left Egypt, he spent 40 years working for Jethro, his soon-to-be father-in-law, doing what? Learning what it was to be a shepherd, absolutely. How to protect, how to feed, and how to lead God's flock. Let me ask you this. Has God equipped you with practical skills, spiritual knowledge, and the heart of a shepherd? If you can see God shaping you with the ability and heart to lead, maybe you need to prayerfully consider, maybe even fast, of how he intends to use you in his kingdom. Uh, C-A-L, that first L, a longing. 1 Peter 5.2 tells us uh, something about elders, that, that elders, there are to be shepherds of God's flock, you hear that word, shepherds of God's flock that is under their care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, because it's a sacrifice. Because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. We're going to come back to 1 Peter 5.2 as we move forward. This is just an introduction week. We'll come back to that. But that idea of willingness, that, that eagerness to serve, um, also comes up in 1 Timothy 3. It's, it, it's translated as a longing or a desire there. Where does that come from? Does that come from your relationship with God? Does that come from your willingness to step out and grow the kingdom? Your willingness to, to use what God has given you to teach others? That's all a part of it. It also comes out of, out of lordship, out of a willingness and eagerness to do whatever God is calling you to do. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you ache for the gospel? Do you ache for the body of Christ? Do you have a burning desire to share the gospel and to help those within the body of Christ become active, growing 
disciples so that they are also discipling others? Do such thoughts keep you awake at night? You see, servant leaders within the body of Christ must not just personally desire God with all of their heart. They must also desire to bring others into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you're feeling that kind of a longing, God may be calling you. In the last L, lifestyle. This is where that rubber hits the road, right? And we'll talk about this more in the next couple of weeks. Not everyone who loves people and has some biblical knowledge and interpersonal skills is cut out for servant leadership. Elders biblically must be blameless in character and integrity. Have a lifestyle that emulates Christ. That's an absolute non-negotiable. That Christ emulating lifestyle overarches ability and longing. It, it, it takes precedence. Why? Because biblical leaders lead by example. Remember Paul, where he said on more than one occasion, imitate me, not in what I do by myself, but imitate me in what? How I imitate Christ. Yes? So, there we have it. Confirmation, abilities, longing, lifestyle, they all point towards God's call. And these are all important. Leaders in the body of Christ need to be called by God. Why? Because body leadership is difficult and demanding. When the gospel, the word of God must be defended, when decisions and changes of direction are needed, when sheep bite and wolves snarl, It's difficult. It's demanding. You remember what Jesus said? No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service within the kingdom of God. Do you remember that? Luke 9, 62. If that applies to all of us, does it not apply even more? to those who will stand up and put themselves on the front line of leadership. They need to have that level of commitment. Jesus talks about poor leaders as well. John 10, 13, if you want to write it down, you can go back and look this up. I'm not going to read it to you. But you know what he talks about there? He talks about the hired hand shepherd. You know what the hired hand shepherd is? He's the one who's paid to be there, and he puts in his eight, and he goes home, right? What does Jesus say that hired hand shepherds are going to do when they are faced with danger? What are they going to do? 
they're going to run, right? They're not going to put their life on the line. They're going to take off. Why? Because they have no vested interest in the sheep. Friends, you want people who are willing to stand in the gap. Even when it's the sheep that are nipping at their heels. You want a person that will stand there and wait. Biblically, for the good of the group, but when times are hard, you want people that are committed. Friend, the urge to give up and to go and do something else is real. It happens. I have been there. I haven't been there since I've been here yet. <laughs> but I've been there. Yet knowing God has called you can bring courage and faith to stand in the gap when it's necessary. Also, God's appointed servant leaders, his shepherds, must stay in step with him. Paul talks about spiritual gifting. We'll look at that a little bit. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You want some really quick uh, places to look. Um, spiritual gifts are given for the uplifting of the body, right? For the, the word we use a lot of the time is edification. It's the building up. By the way, that includes those who are already in the body and those who have not come yet. Yes? You think about your own body. You feed it uh, pizza and french fries, your body's going to have one level of health if you do that all the time, right? But when you feed vegetables, good meat, solid, balanced meals, right? When you bring that into the body, the body is built up. There are some specific spiritual gifts that really have to do with servant leadership. We know everybody, every Christian, has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. We all have those different gifts. We do not all have the same gift. That's one reason why there needs to be a plurality of elders to help balance each other's gift. Each member of the body of Christ performing their function in concert with other parts creates a unity in diversity, okay? In other words, we're different and we're supposed to be because we are stronger when we are different and we are working together. It's the better way. Each of us need to serve where we are best suited, especially those that are put into recognized leadership. Um, elders, deacons, those who teach, those who take care of 
the budgets and keep things running, those who are looking after the trust of this organization. And each needs to be certain that God has called and equipped them for their function within the body because otherwise we've got a misfit. And misfit means ineffectiveness. And the body and the gospel can suffer with that. Aiden Tozer, you probably, some of you have heard of Aiden Tozer. Some of you probably have never heard of Aiden, Aiden Tozer. He's a, a preacher from a previous era, a good spiritually-minded man. Um, Aiden Tozer uh, gives us one of the best reasons why we must be certain that God is calling us into, um, into biblical servant leadership. As he was thinking about the crucifixion and Jesus' call for us to take up your cross and follow me, you remember Romans, uh, Luke 9.23, we were talking about that earlier in Not a Fan as we went through that study earlier this year. Take up your cross and follow me. Tozer observed that we all must live a crucified life. Not just Christ, but we have to die to this world as well. Tozer observed in looking at Christ on the cross that the crucified can only face one direction, and that is forward. Likewise, those who have crucified themselves to the world for the sake of Christ can only look forward. We look towards that day when the Lord will come. And we are to advance the kingdom of God in every way that we can in honor of our Lord. Retreat is not an option. That has been taken away from us. The second observation Tozer made was that the crucified can never turn back. When we commit to the cross, it needs to be a permanent commitment. Paul writing in Romans 6, Romans 6, 1, you've heard it, right? says, do we go on living a sinful life uh, so, so God will give us even more grace? You remember what he said? No! <laughs> Absolutely not. In modern Eric Evans' translation, never to be humble, that's stupid. He uses the strongest negation in the Greek language. No, we don't do that. What's he say? We press forward into the call for which Jesus died and gave us. Yes? Christian cousin, when we take up our cross, we have died to sin and we cannot let sin rule our life. We cannot keep living as though nothing happened. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. What? No turning back. No turning back. I bet all of y'all have sung that before. Did you mean it when you sung it? How are you living the crucified life? Those that we recognize to be servant leaders of the body of Christ, serving in this group, need to be living a crucified life. The third thing that Tozer reminds us of is that the crucified no longer have plans of their own. Friend, if you are going to follow Christ, your plans will be changed because we can't keep living for ourselves and for God. We have to choose one or the other. All of us do. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is where we need to be, all of us. Your recognized servant leaders of this congregation right now are seeking to live the crucified life. And we invite you to join us in taking up your cross and following the Lord Jesus. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your scripture. We thank you for the encouragement that comes from it. We thank you for the psalms of praise. We thank you for the sacrifice, and we thank you for the challenge of continuing to be your body on earth. May we, Father, commit anew to live the crucified life, to put you first and to follow your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.